0: my my love.
1: and sacrificially serving Jesus, and everything that we do here is angling towards that. So uh, it is a blessing to be able to be here together this morning to worship the Lord. Uh, we're going to do something pretty fun right now. Uh, on your seat, you should have a printed little, uh, little piece of paper that has on it a QR code. We've been talking about the QR codes for a while, but this morning we wanted to just put the power in your hands. So watch this. Right now, if you have a cell phone, take it out. Take it out. In church. And with your camera, hover over that QR code, and you're gonna, I'm doing it right here, up at the front, and you'll see a little thing that says, hey, do you want to go and visit such and such a page? And as you do that, this is what we wanted to let you know, that these QR codes actually are useful. You can do a few things, like look at announcements for the week, if you're new, give us some information so we can get to know you a little bit, uh, indicate where you'd like to serve at the church, uh, and also update your information. So we just wanted to let you know that that's available to you. The QR codes have been up for a while. On the perimeter of the tent, there's a few printed signs, but now we'll start to put some of these as well out so that if you're wanting to serve, update your information, look at more detailed announcements, you can do that. So, wasn't that fun? So much fun, I know, it's exciting stuff. Okay, let me give you just a few announcements. Uh, First, uh, a group uh, who has put together some Operation Christmas Child boxes are having a fundraiser next Sunday the 29th uh, over at the Rubio's on 17th, Uh, trying to raise some funds to get those boxes where they're going overseas, so if you can join for that, uh, that would be much appreciated. Uh, Second. December 5th, uh, 6th, I'm sorry, Sunday, December 6th, we are having Believer's Baptism here under the tent, so plan to be here for that, it's a joyful time to be together when we get to celebrate Baptism and celebrate God's work in people's lives, Uh, and then uh, on the 24th, we just want to let you know we are having a Christmas Eve service this year, it'll be from 4 to 5 on the 24th, and more information will be coming uh, about that shortly, so keep that in mind. And then, just the last thing to mention is, you have a little card as well, in addition to the QR code on your seat, one of these, and that's just an update on the Go With Grace project that's been underway for a while here at Grace, we wanted to let you know where that's at, so take a look at that for an update. And with that now, I'm going to invite you to stand as we begin our service, uh, reading from God's Word, and we're going to read from Psalm 98 this morning to start our service. Psalm 98. We'll be reading verses 1 to 3. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All of the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And Lord, we come to you this morning thankful that as your people, we are among those who have seen your salvation. We know the gospel. We know that Christ died and rose again and that through faith in him, we can come into right relationship with you. So Lord, we praise you for that this morning and we ask that as we sing together, pray together, hear your word together, you would open our eyes to see Jesus more clearly this morning for his glory. We pray it in His name. Amen. You may stand if you're able, so we can sing together. Yeah.
2: strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips make bless, and hearts may curse, and minds like arrows pierce me, I'll fix my crash the-
1: Our scripture this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and you can turn there now with me and remain standing out of honor for God's word. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. This will be God's word to us this morning. Who is like the wise, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's Wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what he is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. You may be seated. And in a moment, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. But before we do, we just want to uh, remember one of our missionary couples, and that's the Franklins. The Franklins are serving in Canada with a group called Arrow Leadership, training uh, the next generation of leaders in the church. And so as we pray now, we're going to pray for them and for their ministry, uh, along with uh, the rest of what the Lord has for us this morning. So let's go to him now in prayer. Father, as we read this passage in your word and and are even reminded of our call to submit to earthly kings we are thankful to know that you are the true king and that you are reigning now from heaven over this world Lord there is no one like you and you, you alone exercise sovereign providential dominion over this world we thank you that there is not a single molecule out of place in this universe even in the craziness of life as we perceive it there is a perfect plan unfolding And it is you who are driving and moving every step of the way. Lord, we thank you that you do all of this with perfect wisdom. Lord, even in the same way, the passage tells us that human wisdom is incomplete and lacking, but your wisdom is perfect. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are perfectly wise and good and kind and righteous. Everything that you're doing is is working out according to perfect wisdom. And so for all of this, Lord, we say together this morning, we trust you. And we thank you that we can place absolute trust in you. We know that you are controlling this world for good. We praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for that. And Lord, we also even been thinking about who you are and, and your place as king in our lives. Lord, we recognize that in so many ways, even this week, we have fallen short. Lord, we have uh, allowed idols to come up in our heart. We've loved other things more than you. We have refused to obey your word. We've gone after the things of this world rather rather than keeping our eyes fixed on you. And so, Lord, for all of that, we ask your forgiveness this morning. Lord, we confess our sin and acknowledge our need for the blood of Christ to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you that in Jesus there is hope for sinners like us, that we can be forgiven, that we can have life, righteousness before you. We thank you that because of him we can stand blameless in your presence. Lord, you are, you are so kind to us and you've blessed us in every possible way in Christ. So we thank you for the forgiveness of life that we have in you. And Lord, we want to pray for the Franklins this morning, for their ministry in Canada. Lord, please give them wisdom and grace as they work to train leaders with your spirit, be it for their ministry and through the word to raise up uh, more men and women who would love Christ, be committed to his glory and be uh, ready to serve you Usefully uh, in your church, and we pray for them personally. We pray for their hearts that you would uh, give them strength, that you would help them to endure as they serve you. Father, we thank you for this morning together, and we pray that everything we do, and singing, and praying, and and hearing from your word, Lord, all of it would would open our eyes to your glory, help us to see Christ this morning. We need to see him, and it's in an
2: See yeah.
0: 1867, Scottish pastor Walter Smith wrote the hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. You might be familiar with it. It, it contains these words, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. It was based on 1 Timothy one17 To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Ecclesiastes 8, 1 through 9 reveals God only wise. God alone is the only wise one who gives wisdom. That as wise as you might get in life, you will never be wiser than God. We're going to dive right into the passage today in verse 1. This passage reveals Three truths to us. Wisdom's significance in verse 1, wisdom's obedience in verses 2 through 5, and then wisdom's limits in verses 6 through 9. Wisdom's significance, obedience, and limits. First, we're going to look at wisdom's significance, verse 1. Because we saw this in the passage previous, that wisdom, while elusive, is very important. And so, verse 1 says, Who is like the wise? Who is like the wise? Who knows the interpretation of a thing? Wisdom's significance is that it is knowing and doing the right thing to please God. Wisdom is good and it's from God. So if you're wise, you know and you do the right thing to please God. It's like the men of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12. They had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Knowing and doing the right thing to please God. But as we all know, it's very rare to find someone who is truly wise. Someone who is expert, someone who's skillful and acting wisely all the time and pleasing God as opposed to fools. You see, the wise is different. Who is like the wise? And, and there aren't too many of them. Who knows the interpretation? Who knows? Only God. Only God. Solomon asks, where is the one who can discern their way through all the problems in in chapter 7? And we saw a lot of them. Who can interpret all the mysteries of God's providence? We've seen a lot of them, not just in Ecclesiastes, since we've gone verse by verse, since March. We've seen a lot of that question as we've lived in 2020. Who can figure this out? We're not in control. Joseph and Daniel knew the answer that God alone gives wisdom. And they didn't brag about their knowledge. They actually admitted God is the source. The knowledge we have, the wisdom we have, God is the source. In Genesis chapter 40, Joseph comes across some people who had dreams that no one could interpret. And Joseph said, do Not interpretations belong to God. And then in Genesis 41, Pharaoh has dreams that no one can interpret. And Joseph says very clearly, it's not in me. God will give you an answer. Pharaoh replies, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. The wisdom came from God. Daniel had a similar situation happen. And he said this, there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he says to the king, he who reveals mysteries made known to you what it is to be. And as for me, this mystery was revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living. He's admitting wisdom comes from God. And the king says to Daniel, truly, your God. God of gods. He's the Lord of kings. He's a revealer of mysteries. He's God only wise. And you know, if, if you come across a truly wise person, they're the person that gives God the glory. They're, they're the person that's presenting God with anything good in their life. You would have stories like this too. I've known a lot of people this way, but I think of one person in particular A very successful man, wise in business, who always gave God credit, and was more humble than many of the people around him. You know people like this. It's like Hosea 14.9, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. The ways of the Lord are right, the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble. Verse 1 goes on, a man's wisdom makes his face shine. It's a really interesting phrase. Your your face shine, a lot of you are trying to get your face not to shine. I'm Italian, I have oily skin, so it just shines on, right? But I'll tell you, uh, the shining face here is what you want. It says that the wisdom makes the face shine and hardness of face is changed. What does that mean? It means that God's countenance is shining upon the one who... Obey's him and yields to him. The hardness of face is turned into tenderness of heart. It only comes from the grace of God in Christ. The face shining. A biblically, you can think of times that people's face shone. Think of Moses and his face is shining. He comes down the mountain from his times with God think of Jesus in Matthew 17, he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. If you want to find the same Hebrew words that are here in Ecclesiastes 8, you go to Numbers 625, Aaron's blessing. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. It's the beautiful effects of wisdom. Lights up hard faces. The face here is the countenance that refers to your personal life, reflects your heart. Where you go from hardness of heart to joy through the wisdom of God shown to you in Christ. So the face shining here is the idea of the gracious favor of God upon your life. The God wisdom, He gives wisdom and only comes through His, his regeneration. Where he makes the dead live. It was sovereign grace that does it. This is why, if you look in 1 Corinthians 1, you see a question that is similar. Where's the one who was wise? Where's the wise one? God made foolish the wisdom of the world. You're not going to find it in the world. In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. You cannot work your way to God through your self-made wisdom. But it pleased God for the folly, Paul says, of what we preach to save those who believe. We preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles, but those who are called, Christ the wisdom and power of God. Because, Paul goes on, because of him, You are in Christ Jesus. He's writing to believers who've trusted Christ. He says, because of God, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness. Sanctification. Redemption. New life in Christ. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 2.13, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. You cannot figure this out on your own but taught by the Spirit of God. He says, we have the mind of Christ revealed in the Word of God. So the first thing we see here is wisdom's significance. It is really good, and it is from God. You have to grasp that. Anything else will not cut it. It's from God. Secondly, you see wisdom's obedience in verses 2 through 5. He says in verse 2, I say, and that's not in the Hebrew, it just launches in, keep the king's command." Just keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. So attend to listen to the mouth of the king, literally. Listen to what he says. Because of the oath of God, literally. What is God's oath? I mean, the Hebrew literally reads, the oath of God. And there's all sorts of ideas of what that might mean. Most likely, it's the oath that you make to God to faithfully follow his appointed king. The oath of loyalty to God to, to follow what He has set up. In 1 Chronicles 29, it tells us that all the leaders, the mighty men, all the sons of the king David pledged allegiance to King Solomon. Here's Solomon writing these words. The Spirit of God is having Solomon write these words. It's very apropos. keep The word of the king. In 2 Samuel 21, you see David sparing Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath, literally the covenant he made. The covenant, the oath of the Lord, which was between David and Jonathan. But the idea that comes out of this passage is that wisdom lives under human rulers as God's appointed leaders. God ordained leaders to be obeyed as an act of obedience to God that we obey those who are over us before God to keep his word. We're under oath to do so. And it's universal. It's universal. You can't explain your way out of it and say, oh, I live in America. We can't say, we, you know, we have no king, so we're exempt. It's a misuse of scripture. It's a rejection of God, ordained order. And, and we've been through this before. We've seen, uh, as, we, as I preached through Romans, I saw Romans 13, you can look up the sermons on that, or Titus, or 1 Peter, chapter 2, but if you want to review it with me, let's review it, I think it's important to do. In Romans 13, it spells it out very clearly, magistrates are God's ministers, and a lot of people check out at this point because of a view they, they hold that doesn't come straight out of scripture, but is impressed upon scripture. We believe God is absolutely sovereign, and he is telling us this. In the word, let every person, Romans 13, 1, be be subject to the governing authorities. Those are real people that are being referred to. And it says there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. It goes on, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. It goes on to say you need to be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of your conscience. Now I realize we're living in crazy times and people have come up with all sorts of ideas and ways to get around the clear teaching of Scripture. And it's not easy. It's not easy to read. It's not easy to preach. It's not easy to practice. But what I would encourage you to do is don't take this more strictly or more loosely than God intends. We have this this proneness to be legalistic or licentious, to go really hard on something or to go way light on something, and it's been COVID, COVID ready. I'm telling you, this right here, this moment, 2020, our, our the COVID moment. Uh, it's become very common in this moment for some to put more guidelines than government puts in. Like I'm going to be stricter than the government, or ignore any guidelines the government puts in. And and what I want to say is that both can, not absolutely, because only God knows your heart that they both those stances, the, the two polar opposite stances, can reveal stubborn self-will. It can reveal actual rebellion against God that needs to be repented of. And it's easy for us to say now, well, it, you know, I love it when when our human rulers, in a lot of spheres of life, do what I like them to do. When I agree with them, we're all good. But as soon as I disagree, I'm going to come up with all the reasons why I don't need to listen to them. And the Bible makes it really clear. You can go to Titus 3 if you want to see it. Not only godly re- leaders, not only good leaders are the ones that we're called to listen to. In Titus 3 it says, remind them, remind believers to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Wow, great. Now look at verse 2. Speak evil of no one. The same context. Speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, show perfect courtesy for all people. In context of obeying leaders that God has put in power, whether they acknowledge him or not. And what's the reason? It's Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. What he's saying to believers is, look, here's what God's saying to you. If you're a believer... Do you not remember what you were like before you came to know Christ? If you're saved, you realize that you were formerly foolish and disobedient, led astray, and slaves to various passions and pleasures and past your days and malice and envy and hated by others and hating one another? Like remember what God did in your life? He drew you out of the miry pit? You were on your way to hell? And God Almighty, in his sovereign grace, initiated towards you because he chose you before the foundation of the world, if you're a Christian, and drew you to himself in grace. And he saved you by grace, through faith in Christ, not based on any merit or work or worthiness on your part. We are so quick to forget when we, we think of ourselves as, a bit superior at times, don't we? The duty of obedience extends to wicked leaders. Just remember what you were like and you won't have as much of a hard time. In 1 Peter 2.13 it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake. It's because of God. Because of our sovereign king. Because God's word rules. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. To the emperor supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. You're looking for the will of God in your life in this moment right now. This is the will of God that by doing good you may silence the ignorance of foolish people. Caps it off. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood Fear God. Honor the emperor. We have a hard time with this because we're stubborn. We're rebellious. My heart has a hard time with this. Back to Ecclesiastes 8, verse 3. It says, don't be hasty. It's going to double down now. Don't be hasty to go from his presence. What does that mean? It means don't be in a hurry to leave him due to disloyalty. Now, I could say, well, I've never been in the presence of a a major political ruler. You know, the closest I ever got was one time in San Diego seeing the presidential motorcade go by a block away. So what's this all about? Don't be in a hurry due to disloyalty. Don't desert your post. Don't persist in disloyalty. It even says, don't take your stand in an evil cause because he does whatever he pleases. You will pay the, pe- the penalty probably. Like, don't align with evil against God or man and weigh the consequences of revolt. Calculate your cost. Proverbs 24, verse 21 says, Fear the Lord and the King. Do not join with those who do otherwise. God is actually calling for loyalty to him as we follow, sometimes leaders we don't agree with. You know, yesterday was the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower Compact. Actually, in in writing, it was on the 11th of November, but with different calendar issues throughout the year, it was really the 21st of November. And, And I just want to read to you what they wrote, what the 41 signers of the Mayflower Compact wrote. I think it's significant. They started this way. In the name of God, amen. Like, so be it. In the name of God, we, loyal subjects of our dread, sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith and having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony, do solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, and by virtue thereof do enact, constitute, frame, such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers from time to time for the general good of the colony, unto which unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. Cape Cod, 21st of November, 1620. Now, at the 300th anniversary, Calvin Coolidge noted that this was the foundation of liberty based on law and order. Each person uh, given the right to participate in government while they promised to be obedient to its laws. And here's what Coolidge said. He said, the really wonderful thing is that they had the power and strength of character to live by it. And he says this, and it's notable, some governments are better than others. Any form of government is better than anarchy. Any attempt to tear down government is an attempt to wreck civilization. And then Solomon goes on in verse 4. He says, by the way, the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? God installs the king, their power includes taxation and making laws and you're living under God's orchestration of all things. It applies to the difficult living under autocratic politicians, policy, politics, and so forth. The norm is cheerful compliance, not grudging obedience. Verse five tells us, whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing. And the wise in heart will know the proper time and the just way. The one who keeps the commands equals the wise heart that understands proper timing and judgment. This is not calling for silence. This is not calling for blind obedience to leaders. This is calling to wait on God's timing to follow proper procedures. You see it throughout the Bible. People like Jonathan and Nathan and Esther even taking legal remedies. The right response to authority demands wisdom, requires it. And you're wise if you learn the proper time and place to speak, or to act. To know the right time and place to speak, or to be silent. And here we live in a time where we feel, as Americans, like our free speech is being impinged upon. Well, our free speech is governed by God as Christians. Like people will say all the time, I can say whatever I want, and you will answer for every word you speak, just like I will. And Jesus says, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Free speech governed by God. Just recently, someone exercised their free speech in a way that I thought was quite appropriate. California representative to the U.S. House of Representatives uh, wanted to counter some unwise words and actions from that. California public thinking. And here's what he said. Only a fool would claim the omniscience to make an informed judgment for every person in every circumstance, in every community, and sadly, this crisis we are in has revealed fools abound in public office. And that a fool with power can quickly become a petty tyrant. We know this to be true. We know that power corrupts. But wisdom's obedience is counterintuitive. It denies self and obeys God. And by the way, if you don't have to deny yourself to obey God, you might be a little self-deceived in what your obedience really entails. Jesus said in Luke 20, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And then there came the moment. In Acts chapter 4. Peter and John says whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you judge. And In Acts chapter 5, we read Peter and the apostles answering, we must obey God rather than men. And then Peter's saying in 1 Peter 3.14, by the way, if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, here's a man who did. He didn't just take pot shots from a computer. He actually suffered for righteousness' sake. He suffered for his faith in Christ if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed we live in a moment right now where a lot of us are asking what should we do question what should I do I'm not going to tell you what you should do well yes I will actually I will tell you what you should do you should love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart mind soul and strength and then do whatever you want Love the Lord Jesus and do as you please because you will be doing what pleases Jesus. We ought to be asking if civil disobedience is justified in this moment as if we were chopping at the bit for it. If you can't wait for it, you need to. You will know if it's demanded when the gospel is clamped down. You need to stand unwaveringly for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus why John was on the Isle of Patmos, banished, the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And you need to wisely act on your convictions. You need to do what you believe God wants you to do based on His Word and your convictions. love well, what Paul said in the Philippians, I-, I pray that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment that you would approve what is excellent and pure and blameless for the day of Christ. The wisdom of God gives you will lead you to do certain things that others are unwilling to do or unable to do. God's wisdom doesn't make you right. It binds you to do what is right. And, and I know right now we're living in a time when it seems like a moving target. Where's that line? of civil disobedience. Where's that line? As your elders, we've been wrestling with it since March. There's a lot of confusion. A lot of you are confused. What do I do? What should I do to respond? How do I live to the glory of God in this moment as a follower of Jesus? Bound by the word of God. My conscience bound by the word of God. I would point you to anything we've put out since March uh, as elder statements on our website another one out recently. Read that, please. they are emails that go out. And we're still working it out. We're still working it out. We don't have that ultimate answers on this. But we have the Word of God and we're, we're trying to apply it wisely as we seek to shepherd this one. But at the end of the day, your politics best not be your supreme ruler. You keep God's command the Word of God. He's your king. You don't stray from the Word of God. But think about what God has been doing. How He's been providentially orchestrating for us as a church opportunities to listen to the Word of God and to, to learn and to lean into what His Word says. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 6. I will not be put to shame because my eyes are fixed on all your commandments. Every believer should be acknowledging God and his word over all. So wisdom's significance, it's from God. And wisdom's obedience obeys God. But we've got to talk about wisdom's limits. Verses 6 through 9. Wisdom limits. Verse 6 says there's a time, limit. verse 6 transition, okay. It's a shift here, it's a hinge. Connects what's been being said to what's going to be said. But there's a time and a way for everything. Shades of chapter 3. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. The idea is sin, sin is clinging to us and pinning us down. We must trust God. There are limits to wisdom. This idea that man's trouble lies heavy on him. It echoes Genesis 6 verse 5. The wickedness of man was great. So wisdom has limits. Evil lies heavy. It pins us down. You know you have enough trouble without the trouble of open defiance of rulers that that brings you. Like, if you're going to, you just have to realize all the trouble in your life because of your sin. And you just know you're going to heap more on yourself for whatever choices you make. And life is flavored by evil. Most of our troubles, we are not Victim. Most of our troubles come from our embedded human depravity in our own hearts. It's not just the evil of others out there. I think if we could all just admit we're frequent perpetrators and humbly admit before God. You know, in that 1867 version of Immortal and Invisible God Only Wise, there's a wise prayer that's embedded in two stanzas that aren't in the modern versions. And just two lines I'll share with you. But of all thy rich graces, this grace, Lord, impart. Take the veil from our faces and the vial from our hearts. The veil from my face, Lord, and the vial from my heart. You know, wisdom is going to help you discern timing. There is a time for everything. But our trouble is that sinful depravity lies heavy on us, and Um, Even with the benefit of right living before God-given authorities, you can't avoid the trouble arising from sin. And then Solomon just launches into five reasons why wisdom's not going to get you to the finish line. Verses 7 and 8. Wisdom is not the ultimate answer. And and the reason why is because much of life lies outside of wisdom's control. First he says no one can tell the future. Verse 7. Does not know what's to be. Who can tell them what will be? Well, you're, you're frustrated because of your ignorance regarding the future. But God knows everything. We can't know the future. Our, your predictions fail. Wisdom, though, is bookending this chapter. It starts with wisdom is good. It brightens your face. And then verse 17, you can't make sense out of life's tough issues. And then it goes on. No one can control, and it means either life or the wind and nature. But no man has power to retain the spirit. Either you can't keep yourself alive, or you can't command the wind. Both are true. I think of what was said of Jesus when He called him the wind and the waves. Who is this? Who is this that even the wind and waves obey Him? It's God Almighty. And then, no one can control the day of his death. You don't have power over the day of your death. And then verse 8, no one can control your discharge from the military. If you're in the military, your commanding officer will let you know. There's no discharge from war. And then number 5, no amount of wickedness will gain you deliverance. Nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. There's five limitations. The future, life, death, war, evil. I think there's a word here. Calling for discernment. Calling for self-reflection. This is what we keep getting called to as we open up the word, and especially in Ecclesiastes. I think there's a word for the self-righteous. I think there's a word for the self-condemning. There's a word for everything in between. We have to have a willingness to let go of things that we fiercely hold on to because we are convinced that we are right. I think we need to have a willingness to repent of complaining and rebelling during 2020. I don't know how many times I have said, and I've heard people say, and I've really tried to stop saying it, I'm over it, right? But that's the common, you know, how many common phrases there have been? We should, like, someone make a list of all the common phrases that we have adopted in 2020. Well, I'm over it became one of my, you know, defaults, and COVID lockdowns and restrictions, I'm over it. Politicians, I don't think, are legit or whatever. I think we have a willingness to repent of our complaints and our about. I think we need to have a willingness to repent of believing what may or may not be correct. Our hearts are not the arbiter of truth and wisdom and justice. God is. We need to have a willingness to repent of unwise words. I think of all the things you say on a daily basis. Wisdom holds its tongue. You know, Proverbs says even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. I've been very unwise with my words, even recently. I've had to be corrected for saying certain ill-time things. Spoken when provoked or stirred up. It's it's painful to be rebuked. but faithful are the wounds of a friend and deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And by the way, we talk about abiding in Christ and bearing fruit in Christ. Bearing fruit in Christ will require some hard pruning. And we hurt the most where we get clipped. You're going to feel the hardest where you get clipped and your ego will resist it. But your conscience is bound by the word of God. And then Solomon just caps it off in verse 9 and says this. All this I observe while applying my heart to all that's done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. Like I've seen the pain inflicted by people with power over others. Here is another description of human depravity. Run amok. As soon as a person has power over someone, they have the temptation to use that power to hurt. And then when we get hurt, we want to use that power to hurt back, to retaliate. Only, only God in Christ can deliver us from the rotten, wretched proneness we have to retaliate and to dominate. so we get to the point, where we say, I love the Lord Jesus. I love His word but I'm finding it really difficult to let it trickle down into my daily interactions. And where we cry out to God and say, Lord, tenderize my heart. Bolster my soul by your word and your spirit. Shine a spotlight on your magnificent grace and the gospel. When we just cry out to God and say, my life belongs to You, Lord. And I'm your servant, Lord Jesus. I want to serve your eternal gospel purposes. Even in purple. I see a couple people wearing purple. I don't mean wearing purple. I mean even in purple. The good thing they didn't choose blue. That's my favorite color as you can tell all the time. But purple. God knows purple. God's not afraid of purple. You have to figure out what you're going to do in purple. For Thanksgiving. Right? You got lockdowns. Everyone's asking, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm like, not sure. Lockdowns, limits on gatherings. Guess what? You need to decide what you're going to do. Make a wise choice. Love Jesus, do whatever you want. But decide that and own that. And decide not to lash out. I've been thinking about this, about how we as a church and, and, and even the households, collectively, that comprise this church, how do we get actually, in purple... In 2020, whatever else comes next, how we can actually present a, a bold, bright, strong, clear gospel witness of the grace of God in Christ. It would be sweet. Without grumbling, where we would actually be grateful. It points me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. You know the verses. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Tough order. But this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So by the way, you can redeem thanksgiving. You can make the most of the opportunity. You know what I want to do? I want to give thanks to God. I want to give thanks to God. I want to read the word with other believers that point me to be thankful. Psalm 100, Psalm 136. I want to thank other people. I want to thank people for the blessing they are in my life. I want to forgive other people. What a big moment. Jesus forgave me of all my sins. I can forgive others. I want to bless others. Bring a meal. Send a note. Just help someone in need. Redeem Thanksgiving for Jesus and the gospel. Let the words of J.C. Ryle point you in the right direction. Give a man a sensible interest in Christ. He will be happy in spite of abounding public calamities. The government of his country may be thrown into confusion. Rebellion and disorder may turn everything upside down. Laws may be trampled underfoot. Justice and equity may be outraged. Liberty may be cast down to the ground. But still, his heart will not fail. He will remember that the kingdom of Christ will one day be set up. Think about it. Why wise as you might get. You're never going to be wiser than God. Wisdom is significantly good. It's from God. It obeys God. It has limits. So you trust God. Wise as you might get. As, as good as you might live. You won't know it all. God is wiser, God is better, God is greater. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Jesus is almighty. Worship him, obey him, trust him. And and I think there's a word here to everyone who's in power in any way, in any capacity, over any people. Pastors, parents, police, politicians. The list continues. You must understand your place in this world. I didn't realize there is one king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Really good leaders over anybody recognize that God is the king overall. There was a ruler in England from 1016 to 1035, King Canute. Came there as a pagan, died as a Christian king. He was the king of Denmark and Norway and England. At one point, he set his throne into the rising tide. Put his throne on the edge of the seashore amidst the rising tide to show his people that as a human king, he could not stop the ocean. He was not a god. That He served the one true God. God only wise. We end with 1 Timothy 1, 15-17. Paul says it this way. It's a trustworthy saying deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. But I received mercy, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And he caps that off with this doxology. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are God Almighty. We are under you, and under your rule, and your word. And may we do what is right in your strength and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.
1: Please stand as you please.
0: go forth in Christ's strength and for his glory. I want to remind you, um, grab this QR code and get the goodness there. And then there's a redeeming Thanksgiving thing on the back that hopefully will be an encouragement to your household. And then remember to check out the Go With Grace update as well. Alright, let's close with really my favorite benediction, Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. And now by the God of peace who brought up again from the dead, our Lord Jesus The great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.